Okay, here we are on the Science Fiction Club meeting for June 12th, uh, 2014. Um, We're talking about Hospital Station from James White. And we're outside, well, me and Alyssa and I are outside tonight in nice warm weather. You may hear a bird or two, or a train whistle. Uh, in the background. So, okay, well, uh, we can just go around and see what people thought generally of the book. Mary Ellen Earls, I liked it. And I, what I found so intriguing, and I'm probably old enough to be your old grandmother, is that in this early period, he was talking about education tapes and, um, you know, these, these tapes that were implanted in their brains and in the day that he probably wrote it, there were nothing but reel-to-reel tape recorders. And uh, if it was 1957, stereo wasn't even around. So I just, I was very intrigued with that. And I, I liked uh, the the story, uh, the stories. Um, I'm glad it ended happily. Um, I was kind of intrigued because I was in the hospital in March and. That hospital certainly was a lot different than what I was in, uh, but I just and I thought it was just well written. It's just a very futuristic and very, uh, very science fictiony book, and I really enjoyed it. Can you guys hear me now? Yes, but you're very distorted. Maybe you're too loud. Well, at least I know how to change it. Okay, I'll be back in a minute. Well, um, I had mixed emotions about the book. Um, I sort of liked it. Um, it wasn't one that you could experience things vicariously in, so you had to sort of leave your world completely behind. But sometimes that's what science fiction is about, so that's okay. I was fascinated also with the um, the education tapes and the translator, of course, being a translator, the different languages that they spoke and and the radio stuff, and also all the different forms of life, all the different life forms and the different environments that they had to have in the 384 levels of this hospital. And I was really glad to see that there was good character development. Um, Unfortunately, I have the experience of a lot of the science fiction that I've read. The character development has suffered. They've, They've gone way off, and... I think that you still need some strong character development, and there were some strong characters in there, and some dynamic characters, and I I think about O'Meara and Conway and and all that. Um, So, yes, I I certainly enjoyed it better than the last one that we did. Is that better? Much better. You're perfect, close to perfect. That's great. You sound good, and your volume is now real good. I, for one, loved this book, and I actually read it a while ago, uh, thanks to Mary. Um, I think my favorite one was, I think it was the first one. Wasn't that a, the one about the <laughs> the baby huddler, I think it was, the one where you had to basically beat it to death to <laughs> to make it go to sleep? Yeah, I love this book. It was just great. Yeah, it was on my list, so I won't make too many comments except uh, I think the one problem I had 
even as many times as I've read these books, is I have a horrible time trying to keep the story straight, like what happens in what story. <laughs> I think it's his writing style is wonderful, but sometimes it's just kind of hard to get a one-sentence plot line in your mind, you know, because they, they just keep building and building and building. But I think I, I love the series because it's just as uh, Carla or... Mary Ellen was saying, one of you was saying that, you know, the characters are so many different kinds of life and just they all seem to get along except in some of the stories they do end up having a war, which isn't a lot of fun. But my favorite character in the books is Perlicola, the little insect. <laughs> I just really like Perlicola. Except he's got a problem because he has to. He see he figures out what other people are feeling, but he doesn't really know what they're thinking. That's that's got to be a challenge. Um, well, we we all know. I really like that. This is Lissy. Um, that I love this book, but I do understand that it's kind of um, disconnected. That it's, it sort of reads as as a series of short stories instead of maybe as a as a novel. It's probably the way it was published in the first place. I'm not sure. But I love the the idea that Prolicola, they could tell how much he, he, he was thinking because he would eat acid holes in the desk where they left him at night. And you could sort of tell how much he was thinking by how big the hole was. And I think it was interesting that Conway was in this situation. He was this marvelous doctor, but he had quite a bit of xenophobia to get to work out before he could really get comfortable working with such a diverse set of patients. I thought it was fun when when he wanted when he was mad and he he wanted to express himself. He turned off the translator so he could, you know, cuss and shout and and be negative for a minute. And then he you know put on the translator so when he went back to being politically correct. Um, I think it was interesting that with all their advancements, they were dealing with so many different physical atmospheres and such huge problems that, you know, sometimes the worst part about being in the station was just being a casual when, you know, like when it was rammed by other space vehicles and things. We we stopped after the first book and I can, and it's possible to do that because it's like it doesn't have any cliffhangers. So I'm go- we're going to go on to other science fiction, but I'll be continuing to read them. Yeah, she's going to read them because I, I wasn't that uh, uh, impressed with them. Um, I do agree they're well written. And I was also interested in the education tapes for a different reason because uh, we're going to be having direct neural interfaces before in the next 10 or 20 years and I was interested in whatever he had to think whatever he thought about that because what happens if personalities start to leak in from other people in this case it would be other people not aliens um, so what's going to happen with that that's an interesting area that people are uh, speculating about in non-fiction books now uh, such as the worldwide mind which you can get on Bookshare uh, not on Bard but um, so I was interested in that. But the problem is that I have with these stories is they're basically just problem stories. They're puzzle stories. Analog is full of these kinds of things. I read them for many years. I haven't read I haven't read Analog or Asimov's 
for uh, since the beginning of 2010. But I used to read these all the time in analog, and they're intellectual stories where you have a situation, the author sets it up, and then he gives you clues, and then then the character, the main character, solves it, bam, and then you know that's the end of the story, and that's you know you get your solution, and it's kind of a puzzle thing, and it just doesn't move me very much. It's just not. I don't know. They're interesting enough, you know, intellectually, and there's a little bit of drama. The last story in the hospital station, the one about the the alien that turned out to be pregnant, had some drama in it because everybody thought Conway was just dithering and and didn't want to lose his patient and and, uh, didn't do anything, but uh, he had the idea, you know. But um, overall, you know, they are well-written. I mean, I definitely will give them that, and there's some good imagination here, but they... The stories just didn't grab me a whole lot because of their kind of puzzly nature, and that's not not the kind of stories I really read that much. Um, I just want to add that you can almost hear the author pleading with us as readers, "Can't we get along?" And he's he's kind of setting up an example, and he's saying, "Look, in the future, there's going to be so much diversity, so much more than we have on the planet now, and if they can work it out, you know, why can't we work it out?" So. You could just hear his plea for peace. That's neat. Well, in the introduction, they kind of alluded to that, that, uh, you know, he did have a a subliminal message throughout this whole um, group of of novelettes. It's interesting you say that um, about getting along because... I recently read another book of James White's called uh, Mind Changer. Now, that's a really good book, and that's about where people, for no reason until they find it, if they do, I won't spoil the book. But anyway, just start, like, fighting each other. People who got along would, would just start fighting each other. It was a really good book. I like his writing. I especially like the... um hospital setting in the in the he has great description and my favorite one is Prolicola as well I think Mary said that yeah I did I I love Prolicola <laughs> I also like your puppy dogs Evan and Lissy uh, that just kind of adds charm to your your being outside I I love puppy dogs and they they're very amazing how they are they can be so expressive when they're barking but anyway, just wanted to put that in. That's funny, Mary. When you said puppy dogs, I thought you'd already read our book from Bookshare about dog 4491 or whatever. <laughs> no, I was talking about the dogs that were talking when you were talking. <laughs> I just thought they were great. Oh, uh, Leela, Lissy wants to know where you got this mind changer. Is that Bard or Bookshare? It's on Bard. And just look up white, comma, James, and you'll find it. Yep. It's a great, I don't think, none of that I could find, I could be wrong, Mary, but I don't think any of James White's, um, of these books of his are on Bookshare. Well, they might be, but I haven't really looked for them. Oh, wait, yeah, there are some that are up there. There's uh, Monsters and Medics, which is not on Bard, but it's on Bookshare, and there's some other ones up there that are, I think they're earlier books, but I don't remember this particular series. But it might be up there. If it is, it just came recently because um, I I looked. And uh, I think the omnibus might be there, but I don't. the mind changer isn't there. 
Well, getting back to this book, what I particularly liked about it was uh, the introduction because it kind of uh, having being such a neophyte to science fiction, it kind of set me up to sort of have an idea of what to expect. And that was also beautifully written. Yeah, Brian Stableford, um, I haven't read any of his novels. I don't know if any are on Bard or Bookshare, but he used to write quite a bit for uh, Asimov's. Uh, he wrote some fairly long novellas and shorter work for Asimov's for over quite a few years. So I, you know, he's quite good. He's a good writer. I don't, if he's got any novels, they'd be interesting. He's more of a biological SF writer. That's just the kind of thing he concentrates on. Some authors, you know, how they, they concentrate on space flight or infotech or computers or bio, you know, and some other ones concentrate more on biology or social. He's a biological, but he's really good. You know, at writing, you know, at the shorter forms, and as I said, I don't know, but he's, but I like the introduction too. You know, it was very informative about the author and about science fiction. And you know, he wrote, he mentioned some other medical type books that I forget who I don't know if it was Murray Leinster or someone else who wrote some other medical books that similar. But uh, you know, and he described their differences and so on. And uh, and I want to mention before I forget that uh, Jack Fox he just seems to do whatever he narrates. He just does a good job at it. You know, he does a great job. You know, of narrating this book. Um, you know, he he is just um, one of the best. I agree. Um, you know, I I I've heard him do self help books. I've heard him do this book. I've heard him do you know history books. Uh, and and he's um, one of the top narrators, I'm sure. Yeah, I think I told the the club, but a couple of you don't know that I reviewed a book for the DB review list, which unfortunately I'm not on that anymore, but he joined the list on the day that I reviewed a book, and he wrote me a private message, and I was so jazzed. I was like a kid, (laughs) and I wrote him back telling him how I like some of the science fiction books that he has narrated, and he sent a thank you message, and it was just so nice that he took the time to write and once one of your favorite narrators does that to you you just you're on the top of the world and you're in cloud nine for weeks <laughs> it was just amazing yeah i saw that mary that is so they're like celebrities i mean it's so cool that we can actually communicate with them finally i wish there were a way to communicate with more of them but um i remember when i was a kid you couldn't even do that all they were was a a voice talking out of a record player or a tape recorder. Yep, and, and and on the other hand, though, they couldn't get the feedback from us that they can now because you know we can talk to, you know, they can talk to us, but we can also talk to them. And you know, every time I hear one of them, you know, talking, they off they so often say that they don't get much feedback about who you know if anybody's reading their stuff. You know, they they sit in these studios all day reading this stuff, but they get very little, you know, unless they go on interview shows like, you know, Books and Beyond or, you know, whatever they, Book Nook, you know, the Book Nook when they come on there, and they don't get much, uh, you know, feedback as to whether anybody's listening to them. That's because nobody knew how to give them feedback. That's true. They weren't really, you know, they they wouldn't, you know, they haven't really, you know, gave out much information about how to, you know, give give feedback. But now that you know, you've got the, these lists and you've got you know, internet email and stuff. They can get it directly now. They didn't used to be able to do that. 
And unfortunately, Books and Beyond is no more because that has stopped production. I, I'm not sure when they stopped producing that. I guess maybe they've been doing it for a while and wanted to go on to something else. But still, there were a lot of narrators on there, and they at least got to be spoken with, and we got to find out a lot more about them than we ever knew. So <laughs> it's great to have that kind of communication. Well, I've got an archive of a bunch of them here. If anybody wants it, I can put it on a, on a Dropbox link. I don't know. I have to go through the list and see who was in it, but Jack and Jill Fox were in it, and I forget, Eric Sandvold was in it, I think, and there were there was about ten or a dozen or so that are in this thing that I got. Uh, somebody posted it on DB or on the Bard Tech list. I don't remember where, but I got it. Uh, a copy of it, and there's at least a dozen in here, I think, of narrator reviews that were all collected together. Yeah, I've got the same bunch, <laughs> so um, it's it's neat. Bob Askey was one who was in it. I know that for sure. And that's when we all found out he's a member of Mensa, believe it or not. He's on Facebook, too, Bob Askey. I'll be right back. How does one, where does one find these lists? I don't even sort of know what you're talking about. Are you on the, well, I just heard about it from um, people on the Science Fiction Club list who mentioned it. I probably, Mary, when the first or, one or, first or second time she was on it, I heard about the, the DB review list and, I don't remember where I heard about the bar tech. Like usually, I just hear from other people on a different list about a different list. If, you know, some especially if a list goes off topic, they say, "Yeah, oh, you should be posting it here." You know, this list instead of this one. You know, or something like that. Um, are you on the science fiction club list? You should get on there. Oh, by the way, Carla, did you ever get on uh, the, to the SF club list? I know you were wanting to last meeting. Did you get on it? Uh, I haven't seen her join, so I don't think she did. Oh, I'm still working on getting my computer on and getting my end-of-this-year school grades all done and everything. I I should. Maybe maybe you could send me, a, you know, the the link to it again or the, the name of it again, but um, maybe when I get things straightened out. Um, I, I just haven't had a whole lot of time to do a lot of extracurricular stuff, I guess, I've been... That's what I'm trying to say. But I'm really sorry to hear about the demise of books and beyond, too. And will the archives still be available that they have on, you know, an accessible world, or are they going to take it all down? Well, there probably isn't any real easy way to find that out, except to just go check Accessible World, check Books and Beyond, check Global Voice, um, whatever. Um, there's no, doesn't seem to be any way to really get in touch with the, with the list owners to find out or the, the producer. Well, we know Nancy Lynn and, and somebody else, uh, whose name I can't remember who ran it. But anyway, we are kind of getting off topic here. Well, um, anyway, um, I, the first James White book I read was actually in Braille. It was called All Judgment Fled, and it was kind of almost, it reminded me of Rendezvous with Rama in a way, but, but I don't remember it very well now, but it was one of those giant ship kind of books. Uh, and I wouldn't mind reading it again sometime, because it really, uh, I really enjoyed it. They do actually meet some aliens on it in the end, if I remember correctly. Now, I think there were three different kinds, but I don't remember that for sure. My memory's pretty hazy, but I do remember that I like the book, and that's the most important thing, because maybe I'll go back and... I might have to order it in paper braille, though, because that was back in the early 70s, and I'm sure it's not downloadable. But um, 
that's the first white book I read, and that was the only one for quite a long time, in fact, because that was in my school library in the Braille section. It's on Bookshare, and I recently read it. It's wonderful. What happens is it's a, it's a ship that ends up in our solar system, and a team of five people go out to um, explore it, and only one person, either one or two people survive. I can't remember now how many people. And this huge ship, it turned out that a bunch of animals escaped from their cages and killed most of the crew, and there was only one crew member that survived. And uh, one of the humans went in and was able to fix the ship's... Um, mechanical parts and do some adjustments to make the ship work properly again. And uh, so it, it was a good book, and it is on Bookshare. Uh, getting back to the, um, the book um, that we were um, discussing, the one thing that, and I don't know if you folks have this um, issue, um, having never seen before, sometimes I get really overwhelmed with a lot of details. Um, I don't know if it's because I've never seen colors before or there's just certain actions that I don't understand, but sometimes I have to read and reread passages over again because um, sometimes it's really overwhelming. And some of the scenes in this book were like that. Um, and um, and I, I don't know if you all have that same experience or not. Um, no, but I, I think I can understand what the problem is. Um, a lot of it is, uh, especially, well, actually, I, I can, I think I felt that way slightly in the last story when he's describing that ship where they found the alien and they're describing all these different pipes with different air, different chemicals in them and all these details about how the ship was, um, what they found in the ship. Part of the thing is that he is, this goes back to the reason why I wasn't as enthusiastic about these stories as many other people, he's planting clues all along. These are puzzle stories or situation stories that have to be solved. And he is planting clues and he's only got so many words to do it in. I mean, these are short stories or novelettes at the length. And so it's condensed to some extent because he's got to pack it in and um, I think that's part of the issue and he's putting in these clues about that are going to come together later in the solution to this alien's you know biology and what Conway is going to put together and he's going to get the the aha moment as he usually gets in these stories and then he's going to all these clues will come together and he'll know what to do or not to do as the case was in the final story and so they can be a little bit dense with description, but that's all uh, the clues are there for, you know, putting together later to f- solve the puzzle. And also, did you notice <clears throat> that both in the beginning of the, the stories, the, both in the psychologist whose name I can't remember, and Conway had this real attitude and they were really, you know, full of themselves and kind of angry at the world. And then it, it subtly, you know, once they had more experience, they began to very, very subtly change. And, you know, eventually ended up to be 
in the top of their fields. But, I mean, it was just, you know, in the beginning, there, there was just all this anger with, with these two completely different characters. That's an interesting uh, thing, and it reminds me of something similar. Conway had his a, a bit of comeuppance. He was so high and mighty about the monitors. And, you know, then in the second story, or the third one, I think it was the second one, um, when Conway really gets the focus, um, you know, the monitor says, you know, you're a sheltered, you're sheltered, you're a sheltered class. You don't know what goes on to keep you in in in, in your sheltered, li- in your protected existence, where you don't have to deal with what goes on out in the... Uh, so, you know, it all it's all good for, you know, and it's all certainly true that um, white was very, you know, in many ways anti-militaristic. He was a realist to a large extent. He realized that as unpleasant as it might be, a certain amount of, you know, there's a certain amount of necessity in, you know, a certain amount of conflict is is going to be necessary. A certain amount of protection, you know, from, you know, outer, you know, other other species, other, you know, whatever is necessary. He didn't he wasn't blind to that just because he was not really a militaristic kind of guy. He saw the excesses of military and and the damage that oppression did. You know, he was very you know, he but he wasn't he was realistic about that. And Conway kind of got the message, you know, that you know, he needed to be less holier than thou about the monitors. That because was he surprise. was so much better than they were, you know. And you know, that was quite a you know, a turn in his character, but he was a big enough man to, you know, come around and admit, you know, that he may have had, you know, a bit of a wrong idea there. That was a good moment in the in the story and it was well written. What's that, Tweety? Okay, I didn't quite get why there were so many monitors at every turn. Every big event seemed to be, you know, more monitors. I mean, what was the point of the monitors? I I didn't quite get that. They were essentially supposed to be galactic police, and actually what happens is as the series goes on to other books in the series besides the one we read, their characters change Conway gets promoted to senior physician, and then he eventually gets promoted to um, one of the um, levels where he has to constantly be having all these um, tapes in his head, 12, 13, 14 of them. That kind of humbles him quite a bit. And then the monitors turn into peacemakers rather than military types. That's just the the change that came into the books. Because after all, White wrote these books between, I guess, around the mid-1950s and the end of his life in the 1990s. So because of society changing and other things changing, then the characters had to change. Speaking of tapes, that was one of my favorite ones. I I think it was the first one as well, but I don't know. Maybe it was... Anyway... It was where Conway, Conway had just started, and he got the tape, and um, oh, one thing led to another, I think, and he he didn't erase the tape, and all of a sudden he ended up laying down in front of a heater or something, and he burned half of his face, and he was crying or something. That was kind of funny. 
Yeah, he was influenced by the alien that he was treating. He didn't take the auto-hypnotic, whatever it was that O'Mara said he should have taken. But O'Mara didn't know that it was his first time because Conway didn't tell him. So he got a dressing down for it after he was saved from burning himself, you know, alive or whatever. Um, so, yeah, that was the second story. The third one was the one I was thinking of where they're treating all these people from this war, you know, and then, um, you know, they uh, say that, that, oh, that was a sad moment at the end of the third story when... Uh, they, f they finally get that alien who's in the gravimetric, you know, messing mm. with the grav... Oh, it was just uh, the equivalent of a dog that you shot, so don't be unhappy about that. That was a kind of a little bit of a... Uh, we were... Lissy and I were both a little sad about that. It wasn't, you know... It was, oh, you know, don't feel guilty. It was just a... You know, that we oh, that was not a... That was not a good... Uh, we didn't think that was a good point in, in the book. I didn't either. I, I was hurt about that, being a dog lover and a life lover. And I would take the Hippocratic Oath very seriously if I were a doctor, and I was glad to see that he did. But I, I did find it fascinating how these characters evolved. And it was funny, even how O'Mara started out taking care of the baby, and then he, how he sort of... He softened up and then he toughened up. You know, he, he was just so tough and everything. Then he softened up and you saw the human side of him, but he, he was able to get tough when he had to. But And then how Conway, after his dressing down and after all the experiences he had, how he acquired um, the, the wisdom. And yeah, I did like that Prolicula um, character, too, and how the two of them interacted, too. Um, it, it just... It was really, it was it was a very, um, let's say, refreshing experience having read a few science fiction books that, that the characters were really sacrificed for all the, you know, all the, um, what do you want to say, the, the, the techno stuff. Um, I, I was really happy about these characters. Um, oh, I think I just lost what I was about to say. I'll come back. I forgot what I had it, and then I lost it. I think one problem I have throughout the series is sometimes it's just too much conversation. There's a medical emergency, and they've got to work out all the details of how to take care of the patient or how to set up the environment or how do you get them from one place to another. And it's just sometimes in that series, it just drives you nuts. You just kind of wish they'd just get on with it and do something. <laughs> but... Um, I guess that was just kind of built into the way the author wrote the book, but I really think sometimes action should have come before words, and they should have had the procedures worked out beforehand. Anybody notice that? I did. It took a lot of time for them to do whatever they were going to do. Also, I pictured, I forgot what his name is, the guy with the, the, the mel, the melfan with the elephanting feet, he, um, that sounds like a scary character, stamping his feet, and, and I just picture this this big, huge, like, dog thing with huge feet stamping and stuff like that. Can you imagine being stepped on? They're the best diagnosticians and surgeons in the, in the galaxy, according to White. They're <laughs> very big, but they've got, uh, you know, they're Tralfan. They're very advanced beings yeah they're big but they're very good surgeons and you know 
Uh, so you got to give them their due. Sometimes it seems like it must have been chaotic there with all the different aliens and languages and sizes and shapes and, and that system where they categorize them by body type and number of appendages and you know you what heard, they breathe and so on. Right, you heard a code and you could kind of imagine what kind of being that would be. Yep. He must have had fun working that all out. I can I hope he did anyway, because it sounds like fun to have to sit down and put that all together and say, Well now where am I gonna put the chlorine breathers and the you know, the X ray eaters and all that. You know, that must have been, hopefully, that was fun. Well, that's where I'd like to be prolicla, because you could just fly up the wall or stand on someone's shoulder or lean over someone's back and just flit around. The only thing I wouldn't like about that is being the empath. Well, in some ways, it almost felt like the author was, like, White was, maybe, if you've hung around hospitals a lot, and unfortunately I've had to for various reasons, um, illnesses of my own and my family um, but you want to hear um, the, the jargon that goes on sometimes in hospitals and how they do have to, to talk about things and there was part of me wondering if he was maybe in his own funny little way uh, making fun of, of, of hospitals <laughs> because it almost seemed like it was there was just a lot of wordplay going on and um, one of you had said something about the conversation was driving you crazy. Well, actually, that helped me to stay anchored when I heard about what they were planning and why they were planning to do it. It did slow down the action a little bit, but it really helped me to to get more grounded in the book. It didn't drive me as crazy as it did you. Should we talk about our next book, maybe? Yeah, it's ten minutes to ten. I guess we should. What do you want to read? Well, has anybody ever read a book called Passage by, oh shucks, Justin uh, Cronin or something like that? Anyway, I'm just starting to read it because my friend was like, you need to read this. I'm going to sit you down if I have to and read it. And the one thing that, of course, caught my attention, she said, it's science fiction-y. I'm like, it is? She said, yeah, and it's on Bookshare and Bard. And I've just started to read it. And if you haven't read it, basically it's about a um, an experiment that goes horribly wrong. And it's about this girl um, named Amy and how she fits into this, I guess. Right now, I'm not seeing how she fits in, but because right now, I think I'm just getting to the science part of it because um, it's about how this girl was born and how she had a, as a child, kind of a sad life because her mother has to had to really live hand to mouth to make ends meet. It was really difficult for her, and. Um, Anyway, it's supposed to be about an experiment that goes really, really wrong and how this girl, Amy, fits into it. And then there's a special agent, I don't remember his name, but he fits into it somehow too. So 
Has anybody read this book? No, but Lucy and I are laughing because <laughs> we, we read those trilogy with Amy and the, the Shades of Earth and across, what the heck of was it, and across the universe. And, and we kept talking about, we got to go read more Amy, another Amy book. And, yeah, oh, and, and, and it was like, it was Amy like, said, oh, I, I, I want, want my parents, my, my parents I want my back. parents. And no. Now I've got my parents, I don't want my parents anymore. And <laughs> no, they're my too bossy. My father's a fiend and my no. mother's a cold scientific. <laughs> now we got to read more Amy. Me. Oh, no. <laughs> well, we're just kidding, but no, we thought it was funny. That's another Amy book. That's hilarious. That's too funny. Well, they call her the girl from nowhere. And the only thing I know right now is that she is supposed to fit into this experiment somehow. And I, I don't know. But I do know that it's kind of funny because... um. One of the things I've read is that this guy, this agent, has traveled from Denver, Colorado, to Texas. So I don't know if this book is between Denver and Texas or where it's at. What's the nature of the experiment? And the other question I have is, are we going to meet next month with the two major conventions? Or does this group generally keep on going through the summer? Because um, I probably won't be with you because I'm going to Las Vegas for the ACB convention. Actually, I know that I don't usually go to the conventions because I don't got no money. <laughs> but uh, that's a good question. It's whatever you guys want. Well, we'll be here. I'm traveling in August. We are, we've skipped August before, but we've never skipped July before. So I don't know what we're doing this year. Um, um yeah, Leela, we're going to have to keep you on the interrogation here because we want, somebody wanted to know what the nature of the experiment is. So you have to you have to answer more questions. We don't know where the science. We, fiction where's the science fiction? <laughs> we haven't seen the science fiction yet. Well, that's my issue too, and that's why I was hoping Evan and Lissy that you guys or Mary that you guys had read this book before. Um, my friend says it has to do with. Well, first of all, the part I'm at right now is that this special agent, Brad somebody or other, he um, gets kind of suckered in, if you will, to this um, military experiment, but he's not a part of it. He, he's only the, the agent that gets people to the experiment, and the people they're choosing for this is... And I can tell you this because I don't know anything, cause I, so it won't spoil anything. The people they're choosing is inmates who are on death row. Like, uh, for instance, um, there's this guy named Anthony Carter. And he is about to go um, through the lethal injection in about a month. I think it's like Earth 2. I think it's like March or April, and he's going in June. So all of a sudden... He's uh, pulled out by the guards, and he says, you got a visitor, and he's like, who? And well, I don't know. The warden set it up. Well, he's going to meet with this special agent, and um, so I and, and this girl, interestingly enough, was left in a, her mother, and it shows that her mother actually leaves her in a convent, and so... This experiment, all I know is it's, is this a word, militarily scientific or something? 
Oh, I know what it is. Something about, I just remembered, something about these people who had an experiment and they, oh no, they came from Bolivia and the four people who did were terminally ill with cancer and all of a sudden they got well and their one of their glands in their chest got turned on and their immune systems it's almost like the the age of youth or something like that but but they ended up dying because their bodies kind of blew up i think they went too fast or something so i don't know well i'm on bard and the only passage i can find is db66875 by lois mcmaster bujold and it's fantasy. That's the only book called Passage that I can find. Actually, I'm sorry, it's The Passage. Uh, I don't know, Lisa. <laughs> Lisa's tra- cracking up here. Um, I don't know about this. <laughs> we may not be. I'll tell you what I want to read, though, but it's long. Um, I want to read Great North Road by Peter F. Hamilton because Peter F. Hamilton always delivers. He's reliable. And I told Lissy a couple of weeks ago when I wasn't, you know, I, I made it through the end of hospital station with her. But I said, I want to read something, I don't know, more hardcore, more far out, more imaginative, more with, uh, I don't know, longer, bigger, something. Peter F. Hamilton has got it. And I haven't read this yet. Well, the only person who, who comes to the meetings very often is Sherry. And she gave it a good review. And... Uh, so, and I trust Hamilton to deliver, and I think he will. Um, but it's very long, and we may not want to do it next month. We may want to reserve it if we skip August. But um, that's the only book on Bard right now that I can think of um, reading that I want really want to read. There's a few other books that I tentatively might want to read, but I haven't decided yet. Um, but um, that was the one I'm thinking of reading soon. I'd vote for that because I did find the passage by Cronin, and it's it's not science fiction. It's supernatural and horror. It doesn't even say science fiction in here. But if we read this book by Hamilton, we could skip next month and just meet in August. I mean, that's what we did, was it last year, the year before? Except we skipped July that time, so I don't know. It's a possibility. I'm on the Bard site, so I can look it up if you want. What's the name of it? Great North Road. It's called Great North Road. Well, what about since July is kind of iffy with everybody, why not just continue with the uh, rest of this other book that we just read the first part of? I mean, that's not going to be that long, and then we can take the long book, um, you know, and, and skip August and read that through September. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? My only problem with that is, granted, I've read, oh, you mean read the rest of the rest of the book? Is that what you're saying? We could read the Golden Age Trilogy, Evan. That is a good book. I'm in the third book. If you can get past... Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, my gosh. This author has a, a mind. Um, if you can get past the technology, which sometimes has had my me going to sleep. But really, this is a fascinating book. Yeah, I know it is, but I don't know if it would go over too good. Uh, it's really dense, and I know Lissy didn't like it after the 20 minutes, and uh, Mary didn't like it after 
Well, how long did you go, Mary? Uh, did you go 25 minutes or 15 or what? How did you? How far did you get? So I don't know how popular it would be. I loved it, and I kind of thought you might because you like more imaginative stuff. But um, um, I don't think the club would go for it. I went for two hours, and I gave up. <laughs> the Great North Road is 34 hours and 53 minutes, so I think it's one we would have to uh, give it two months. And, yeah, Evan, I, I was just kidding because I totally agree. It gets pretty deep. Um, but, what, like I said, once you get past some of that depth and you really think about it, it's like, wow. Ooh, I'd love to live in that world, though. Oh, the dream world, the dream pulls. Oh, man. Make up your own dream stories. Hello. Yeah, and, and do you like his wife, Daphne? Isn't she just a marvelous character? She is so great. Boy, he's a jerk sometimes, isn't he? He's a hero. He wants to do great deeds of renown. He's, that's what he wants to do. But his wife has to help him, and she's just so irrepressible. She's cheerful. She loves him. It was kind of a tragedy when she found out that she was the tertius and not the prime. Oh, and I'm not going to spoil it, but I... Well, this is not really a spoiler, but I think it's something you can look forward to. She and her prime have a, a really heart-to-heart conversation at the end of the book. I think you'll like it. Oh, I look forward to that. Because yeah, I'm at the I'm in the third um, third one and um, oh poor guy, I kind of felt bad for him when they kind of suckered him into we build you a house and they had a big part in the second book and no was it the first no I think it was it was the second we build you a house and they took all of his suit and they drank and they partied <laughs> oh my gosh he ended up with nothing but a hangover. Yeah, I guess uh, that was wonderful, but I suppose we should probably talk about what we're going to do next month realistically, because we're not going to do that, unfortunately. I've read it twice, and I'll probably read it again uh, in a few years. But um, but I do want to read this Hamilton book in the not-too-distant future. It's It's been a while since it's been out, and I've been wanting to read it, and I just know Hamilton's reliable. Sherry, you know, said that there's more to it than the than the mystery. There's a it's a murder mystery, you know. In the other books that we read, he does like a detective. He does have a detective plot, but he always mixes in good science fiction with his with his detective plots. So this one's more focused on the mystery, but there's still a lot of science fiction in it. There's aliens, and you know, it's a couple of hundred years in the future, and you know, it's um, I can play the dust jacket stuff for you if you want to hear it from the book sense or we can just trust peter hamilton will deliver which i think we can do that i'm ready to read it now we we <laughs> went to the library to our um they they had a movie we we watched gravity with their science fiction group and the librarian picks out their books they don't uh, yeah and the book they've got picked out for Next month is, what's it called? Honey? It's called Shovel Ready. It's Shovel post, Ready. Post-apocalyptic New York, and this guy's a hit man, and he shoots people, <laughs> you know, for pay, and he used to be a garbage man, so, but now he... Now he throw disposes of other kind of whatever the dust jacket says. It's real, it's real callous and lots of f words and oh, it's just horrible. I don't yeah. know how much I've gone about three minutes into it. And I think there were ten f words or something already. But um, at, according to my calculations, there are probably going to be about a thousand if he keeps it up. But <laughs> anyway, um, I don't want to read that. 
Exactly, and he's supposed to kill a preacher's daughter who's 18, and when he's he considers himself to be a bullet, just aim him, aim him at something, and he'll kill it. But he does have a rule against killing children, so he doesn't want to kill the pregnant 18-year-old preacher's Yeah, but daughter. that's because that's a different kind of psycho. If, if you read that the right way, it's like he's admitting he's a psycho, but not that kind. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know why I've heard. Anyway, I'm, I'm just ready to read another good book, because that sure was Yeah, she liked, she, and I'm happy with this, because she liked Pandora Star and Judas Unchained. We read those both together, and she liked them both, and, and you know, it's one of those things that we really liked uh, together, because we have different tastes to some extent, but we really liked those books a lot uh, together. So we're looking forward to reading this one together soon, because I think we'll both like it. Well, it's the summer, and well, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'll go vote, read whatever you want. But this, uh, I, I like Peter Hamilton, and of course, he was my introduction to science fiction. So uh, I'm looking forward to reading it whenever we do. Um, if we do it, the book number is seven five nine nine six, and uh, I could, I've got the annotation here, except I'm not sure if I can read it. I would have to find my key that holds, well, I don't know. But anyway, it is a a mystery, at least so far. There are two characters. There was one lady who was falsely accused, and then there's this other one. Does anyone ever uh, have any other suggestions uh, before we uh, make our decision on this? Because, you know, the, the floor is still open. The only thing I found was just this afternoon, I found the Star Child series by Frederick Pohl and Jack Williamson. Was it Jack Williamson? Anyway, it's 1960s science fiction. There's a trilogy of three of them on Bookshare. Um, I was thinking of reading The Reefs of Space, R-E-E-F-S is the first one, but I don't have a description of what it's about, but it sure looked good when I was looking at it. It sounds good. What is it? The Reefs of Space, the Star Child trilogy? Yeah, it's just, it's a Star Child. If you look up Star Child in Bookshare, it'll take you to the series. And these were all um, sent up by Michael Sezak. Sezak, I I wrote it out in the uh, email I sent out. But he put it up there last September. Yeah, he's on the volunteer list. He does good work. Uh, if he did it, those will be of high quality. Uh, and he, he likes science fiction pretty good. He offered to proofread uh, some Olaf Stapleton for me if I ever got around to scanning it, but I never did. So I'm, I'm going to have to write to him when I ever do get around to it. But anyway, um, no, he's good. If these if he did them, which he did, because I saw, I looked it up, it's about a, um, a guy who has to develop some kind of interstellar drive or else he goes back to prison or something. He's got, I can look it up if you want. Is it on Bard at all, I wonder? No, no, it isn't. These uh, books are definitely, they're just on Bookshare. Um, but the the catch is that there is a um, a book that has all three novels in it. It's an omnibus, but don't get that one because it says that the quality is good only. It's not any better, and and it it doesn't ha- even. It was put up there in 2002 by a volunteer, and so if you're going to get this series, you got to get the individual books, not the omnibus with all three of them. That reminds me of something I wanted to mention, and it's getting late, so I'll be brief. But, you know, as Bookshare is expanding rapidly, 
They were up to 263,000 books or something like that. Bard is expanding, but much less rapidly. And their science fiction is expanding even slower than Bard is. So it's going to get more and more difficult to find stuff, at least for me, it's getting more difficult to find stuff on Bard that I want to read that isn't on, you know, that, in other words, Bookshare is going to have a lot more choices, already does, than Bard does, even with their fair quality books. That's becoming a, a tiny minority, and it's going to keep getting smaller. Um, so I don't, I know we've picked books, book, books that were on Bookshare before, but I think that's going to happen more frequently as we go on into the future. Does everybody in the club, you know, who's here and who usually comes, do you remember, for instance, Carla and um, Mary Ellen, do you guys have Bookshare? And I don't remember if Sherry does or not. Sherry doesn't, and uh, but Carla does, but I don't know about Mary Ellen. They, she can answer. Yes, yes, indeed. As a matter of fact, I've, I've just been reading a bunch of Mary Dayheim, which is not on Bard. So, yes, indeed, I've had it since 2002. Does Martin? I think so, yeah. Yes, he does. He does. Yeah, so Sherry... Oh, um, and I did do the Anything Box. Yeah, the um, Anything Box, yeah, we posted it to the list, but for anybody who's not on the list, um, it, we she did uh, proofread it and, and I scanned, scanned it. it. Yep. It was great. I really enjoyed it. What's the Anything Box about? It's a collection of stories. Um, you go ahead, sweetie. It's a collection of stories, but they're very lyrically written. If you like, you know, kind of poetic, lovely language, it has. They're written nicely. Uh, I don't know how to explain that, but in a in a in a nice in a in an appealing poetic way, not not obscure. They're not hard to understand. A lot of them celebrate the um, power of imagination in children. Um, then there are some about. They're they're on different topics, but they're. Um, they're not the kind of story that you finish it and you think, "What was that about? I didn't get it." You you will you will understand it, and they they're very accessible. It's it's just a collection of stories. Okay, um, it's getting late. We better close up soon. So we have two questions on the table. What do we want to read, and do we want to meet in July? Those are the two questions that we have. Yes, so what do people? Th- okay, we have votes for meeting in July. Me and Lissy are going to vote for meeting in July. What do other people think? It, I guess, partly depends on what if people think they don't want to be able to read this book. If they want to read this long book, Great North Road, and they don't think they can make it by July, that's going to have a bearing on their feelings. So, what do you all think? I'm free and available for July. I'm available for July. I'm not, but it doesn't matter because there, to be quite honest with you guys, there are going to be months here and there where I'm not available because of my goofy work schedule. And, um, you know, if I, if I don't make it, don't be offended, but I will be going to the ACB convention, so I will not be here. Well, I'm available in July, so whatever happens is fine. And I'm assuming that Martin will be back for July. He said, uh, yeah, that he would be. I'm, um, I'm all for reading Mary's books if we want to go for short and Evan's if we want to go for long. And with Mary's, we can always read the first book. And if you like it, go on to the, finish the trilogy. And if not, you know, don't. Also, we have credits. And if anyone here 
if if money's a, an object or something, even if it's not, we can pay for your oh, membership. Yeah. We can go. I, yeah, we've got loads of credits. We've got enough for you know to help anybody who needs getting. I helped a guy a few a uh, couple months ago. You know, and I'll offer Sherry if she wants, you know, uh, to help her. You know, I can get people, members, because um, I think it will just open up more choices if we don't restrict ourselves to Bard as much. Because Bard just, you know, they aren't even adding new science fiction, or it's very tiny amounts, and most of it's for young readers, and they aren't even doing much science fiction anymore. I don't know what's going on. Oh, and and almost no Braille. The Braille is just down to a a bare trickle, and that scares me. Yeah, so we better decide what we're going to read, and then I'll close the recording. I vote for Star Child this month, and then um, Counting Heads, or not Counting Heads, um, Peter Hamilton next. I second that. Okay, it looks like we have a consensus then, because let's see, thirds. Um, we'll, read this, we'll read the Reefs of Space. Yeah, I've heard good things about that trilogy. It gets kind of visionary in later books, or maybe even in the first book. Who knows? With him and Jack Williamson together, though, it's going to be good, you know, because they're both good on their own. So, you know, there's no guarantees, but these two talents working together, I'm expecting, I have high expectations, and I'm uh, I imagine they'll be met. So, I'm going to close up then, unless, Mary, you have a uh, um, a strong opposing view. <laughs> no, she doesn't. But I'll, uh, hold on. No, I don't. Just whatever. So this is the reefs, like the coral reef, R-E-E-F, not reef, W-R-E-A-T-H. It's the reef, R-E-E-Fs of space. That's right. <clears throat> okay, well... We will read The Reefs of Space by Paul Anderson. Whoops, wait, Frederick Pohl, sorry. Frederick Pohl and Jack Williamson, two of the greats of science fiction, working together to per, to, uh, to do this trilogy. And if I like it, I'll probably just read the rest. Lissy and I may just read the rest together. So that's what we're going to do. And our next meeting is going to be on Thursday, July the 10th, uh, 2014.